Hello friends and welcome to your rare Friday edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. I am Mark Heath. Last week, friends, we committed a cardinal sin of not bringing you a second show, which I know started to spoil Christmas for a lot of you. So this week I wanted to commit to bringing that second show, which means because of time off, Watson having a week off, it's going to have to be a Friday show. But here we are, a bit late, but hopefully still sounding great. I'm here with my two young, youthful, annoyingly young friends in one case. The young guns, AJ and Roscoe. And Rossi, I think I think we're probably stretching that now, calling you young. How are you feeling about that? Because you're inching towards your very own age cutoff where a person ceases to be useful. Yeah, I'm still three years away for 30. Um, so I can enjoy three more years. Um, but I'm not one of those people saying I'm getting old because I'm not. I'm 27. That's not old. Um, not old some people. It's not old. <laughs> But I've heard people say that when they get to like 28 or whatever. And I'm like, no, mate, you know, you just don't. But um, but now nah, feeling good, um, ready for the long trip to Middlesbrough. And uh, yeah, been a good week. Excellent. AJ, I refer to someone being irritatingly young. You are the very dictionary definition of it. Someone who described turning 23 as terrifying, which is an absolute joke. Um, how are you, my, my youthful, fresh-faced, bearded friend? I am youthful fresh face and hopefully somewhat bearded um coming in with the plug and saying that i've been enjoying using my manscaped products as well mm. i've been really rubbish at using them recently and i've decided to take the last few weeks to properly embrace yeah starting to use some of them so there you go now youthful fresh-faced and still with a beard so, so you're using that beard trimmer are you the old uh not massively. It's more the stuff that's come around with it. I like the beard conditioner and I like the Excellent. beard balm. Those are the Lovely. two best ones for me. Excellent. There you go. Obviously heading up to Christmas now. Use the code KO8, manscaped.com for 20 stuff and free delivery, friends. And Christmas is where I want to start this week, boys, because obviously, unbelievably, it's only a couple of weeks away now. Um, it's really creeping up on me this year. I'm, I'm trying not to think about Christmas at all, in fact, uh, until a few more games are out of the way. Um, so, friends, I just wanted to ask Rossi, AJ, are your Christmas decorations up? Ross, I know you don't like Christmas, apart from the food. AJ, we saw what happened in Casa AJ during Halloween. So does it look like Father Christmas has been exploded in your house? Is there tinsel everywhere? Um, tinsel, no. There is a very small Christmas tree up by one of the windows, and there's a few lights on some plants. We also have some things like this on the dining Christmas table candle. where I'm... Yep recording um yeah a few different little christmasy bits not as much as the halloween stuff so a little bit more low-key but definitely we're, we're starting to get there i think as we build up and family members get things out of the loft of which there are lots of things uh then you're going to see this turn into santa's grotto yeah okay so it's, it's a phased build-up is it you start mm -hmm. with a few a few little bits and then it becomes as you get closer to the big day it becomes more intense does it yeah, I think so. I think, well, there's always this big debate in terms of when is it the right time to put up Christmas decorations? Is yeah. it the first of the month? Do you push it later? Um, I know that with my uh, girlfriend's family, my girlfriend stepped up, hates Christmas decorations. I think if he could put them up on the 24th and take them down on the 26th, he probably would. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Ross is in that boat as well. Yeah, I think we're... Definitely getting that kind of yeah, incremental build up to having a few more things around potentially so we get more towards Christmas. You know, this lovely little bit behind me, we could have like some tinsel or something. Oh, like we've that. got to have that, mate. Who Absolutely. knows? Absolutely. I'll have to go digging and see what we've got. Rossi, I'm assuming when when do your decorations go up in your house? Is it a is it a battle between you and Sasha? Is Sasha a big Christmas fan? Yeah, she does love Christmas to be fair, but we actually haven't got any up as of yet. Um, because we just haven't had time really to to do it um the only things we've got is stuff that my mum has given us because she always does that she just buys us loads of random rubbish to be honest <laughs> so, sorry mum if you're listening um but yeah i've got this thing here which is a bit scary in my opinion a what is that christmas troll elf, elf? Troll, maybe i don't know if it's me maybe she's like she bought it for me because of the beard and everything you I mean, eyes like the eyes and eyes. There is there is a little similarity if you were wearing a, a massive hat, <laughs> yeah, and had and had antlers. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I mean the beard's getting there, mate. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I'm getting a fresh trim next week, so just head of the big game, of course. Of course, excellent. 
Um, Do you know what yeah. my, my approach in, in the Heath household is this year? Christmas is not happening until December the 17th. I'm not thinking about Christmas until after the derby. Nothing, no decorations, no food, nothing at all will happen in Casa Heath, Heath Towers, until after that bloody game on the 16th. And Rossi, do you know someone else who I reckon might also share your fair, your fairly uh, relaxed attitude? Indeed, some would say dislike attitude to Christmas. This guy right here, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey. For those of you not watching, this is um, some of the uh, the Christmas jumper pictures which Ipswich Town out yesterday. And this one, I think, caught everyone's eye. Brandon Williams looking like he's um, being held at gunpoint. He's got Hutchie behind the camera going, you will put that on. Wear that jumper. And he's like, all right, but I'm not going to smile. Uh, <laughs> what what do you make of this, boys? What, what What's your stance, first of all? Uh, AJ, we'll start with you on Christmas jumpers as a whole, as a genre. Um, depends what they look like. There's quite a lot going on there. I think that the design is interesting and really topped off by the fact that they have put the world's largest Ipswich badge slap bang through the middle of it, like some sort of colossal sticker. Um, I'm not totally convinced. I can see why he might have looked at that and thought, will I be seen dead in this? No over my dead body properly, like, yeah, like that. Um, in general, yeah, not against it. Maybe if you took the massive badge or the scaled it down a little bit, um, yeah, I, maybe then you could look at that and think, ah, yeah, I might buy that. It might be quite nice. I also feel like if you're not a professional footballer and you've got any sort of stomach, that badge is going to, like, round <laughs> out properly. It's going to look like 3D. <laughs> maybe that's the design. That's what it's for, Christmas Day, when you when you got the old food baby going on. That all this puts me in mind of is like a teenager, a sulky teenager who's been told he's got to wear a, a Christmas jumper. Oh, Dad! Oh, Mum! Not putting that on. No, no, you've got to. You're contractually obliged. I'm afraid, as a, as a member of the Ipswich Town squad, to wear this jumper, and we're going to take pictures of you, um, which I I enjoyed. I mean, obviously there were other pictures out there, guys really embracing it, but I just like the the idea that as they walked through the door yesterday. They were all ordered to put on a Christmas jumper uh, to varying degrees of, of consent. Rossi, are you are you a Christmas jumper man? Have you got a three-stripe Christmas jumper? <laughs> yeah, I should actually see if they do actually sell them, actually. Um, I was There was a phase where I was wearing a lot of Christmas jumpers because, you know, just to keep me warm. In the office, when we used to actually work in the office. Um, God, remember those days? Yeah, those days. Um yeah, I remember just when it got to Christmas period, I think we had maybe like a, a Christmas jumper down. I was like, okay, I'll wear one. Um, and actually, actually got into it, but now it's like, yeah, I've, I don't wear them. But yeah, that that just looks horrific in my opinion. Sorry, Planet Blue. Sorry, it's just town. I'm sure you want to sell them, but for me, not for me. That's um, the idea, the though, isn't it, Christmas jumper. They're meant to be awful. They're not meant to yeah, be like fat, high fashion pieces. They're meant to look dreadful, and yeah, it's almost it's like a comedy thing that you wear them. I've yeah. got one which I break out every year. I'll probably wear for the Christmas special if we do one this year, which is a Mike Tyson. Um, Fitting my 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 passion for the old fisty fisty cuffs. Mike Tyson is my Christmas jumper, wearing a Christmas hat. Um, right then, friends, that's eight minutes of Christmas. Should we talk about football? We're going to build up obviously to Middlesbrough in due course, but there's a couple of things happened since we last spoke, which I wanted to go through in a little news roundup. First of all, some breaking news this morning, AJ, which you've webbed. We've got a contender for goal of the month, EFL Championship goal of the month, Skybet, I think. Uh, but it's not the one, perhaps, that, that people would assume it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of the November goals, I think I've only got one that made my top five list. Uh, that went up earlier this week. If you're interested in seeing my picks for goal of the season so far, one of them made it into November. Uh, it was not nominated for goal of the month, interestingly. What was, however, was Massimo Luongo's strike against Millwall, which was, in fairness, a, a good goal in terms of the actual finish itself. Probably didn't have the slap bang wallop of a jack taylor thunder bastard but it had the nice build up it had the little bit where it gets played forward to burns cut back chaplin in the middle lays it off into space and then luongo finishes from the edge of the area really nice goal um if you go onto the article that's live now there's also a link to vote for mass um some stiff competition there i think um i don't think it's maybe the strongest ones that we've had yet i remember when Broadhead was nominated. They had some bonkers goals in that. I think that might have been the month when Andre Dizel curled in from about 40-odd yards against Middlesbrough. Mm. Um, this one, maybe not quite as strong, but a few 
good ones in there. There's a free kick from Sam Greenwood against uh, Middlesbrough. There is not against Middlesbrough, for Middlesbrough against uh, Leicester. There's a goal against Middlesbrough, which was scored by Taylor Gardner-Hickman from range. Nice curling effort off the bar. And then the other one's Jaden Philogene, who I think town fans are sick to death about hearing hearing about after all the summer links, but a nice back heel from him. Maybe Luongo stands a chance. It's a nice goal. Um, so, yeah, not the one I would have gone with from that month, but nonetheless, I think good recognition for him. Do you reckon they even need to bother having one for December? I mean, just give it to Wes No, I think there's no point, is there? That there's probably a little bit more debate around the goal of the season one. When you look at the championship as a whole, I think that that's going to be the best goal scored in the championship for the foreseeable future, possibly throughout the entire campaign. Absolutely. Right then, Rossi, other bit of news that's happened since we last spoke. Obviously, we know the Derby's a week on Saturday. Not that we're thinking about that, of course. Um, and that is going to be an amazing day, incredible day. Um, the best chance town have had to beat Norwich, I'd say, for 14 years, um, clearly. Uh, and there's also going to be a very special greeting, Rossi. As you saw, and we're right in the middle of the Exeter game last season, we saw Blue Action organised the big coach greeting, like something out of L, the Classico, wasn't it? Um, like something you'd see overseas uh, before games in Brazil, or that kind of thing, all the pyro, the flares, the chanting, etc., etc. And we're going to see something similar, or maybe, hopefully, even better, according to Blue Action, on Derby Day. Your thoughts on this, please, mate? Because this is exactly... Uh, we've got this resurgent Ipswich town and the kind of the atmosphere around games and, and the, the effort that, that it's gone to, this just ties into all of that, doesn't it? To really lift again that day, which hopefully is going to be an amazing day. Yeah, I remember when they announced it for the Exeter game and I, you know what, I just felt there's going to be maybe a, a few people, you know, a couple, um, but everyone turned out for it and it was yeah. just, it was like we were in Brazil, you know, this is like a, a Copper America final and um, I got hit by a flare um, which is great. Um, I was you got hit blue. by a flare, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I got, yeah, got hit by a flare. No, I didn't mean to. I was just right in the middle of it. Well, I was in the mix, weren't I? I was trying to get... You were, you were bang in there, son. Yeah, yeah, I was right in there. Um, so it was my fault, really. But um, it was just mad because it was just fans lining the streets. And I think it was just... I think everyone was just started talking about it. I think the build-up, because, of course, there was, you know, before the coach arrived, everyone was sort of there waiting with their flags and just sort of waiting. I think people started just walking on and going, do you know what? I may stick around and see what happens. And I think it just kept building and building. And mm. Of course, the coach finally arrived and it was just unbelievable. Um, and I'm, I can imagine it's going to be bigger, this one, because it's the derby. Um, so, yeah, get get yourself down there. Got, get Be prepared because, um, you know, you don't want to miss out because you want to be right front and centre, don't you? Where that where that coach has to go around this corner where yeah. the, um, there's a bus the bus shelter where, the, you know, all the buses go. Um, you have to get it's got to go right round. I think it, it actually struggled the bus to get round because you had so many fans sort of on the street. A lot of fans had to go back, but um, yeah, can't wait. It's going to just be a sea of blue, and uh, yeah, bring it on. It's going to be such a good day, boys. I can't wait for this. Um, I mean, for the players as well, Rossi, being on that bus, can you imagine what that's like yeah. when you've got that kind of greeting? You already know you're heading to a big game, but then you've got that kind of lift, that kind of adrenaline surge when you see something like that waiting for you. Yeah, I think fans, um, town fans just came out for that because it was a moment that they knew we were going to get promoted. And I think players probably, they knew how big our fan base is, but that day probably surprised a lot of players going, wow, actually, do you know what? You know, this is a special day. And maybe that's what helped them. You know, mm. I think we were always maybe going to beat Exeter. But I think just, you know, getting greeted like that, they went, we've got to put a show on for them. And of course they won 6-0. And of course, what, what a day that was. But uh, yeah. Bring it on. Can't wait for it. Yeah. Blue Action do such great work, don't they? I really want to talk to them at some point about how they, how they go about preparing and planning these things, especially those big displays. It must take some serious planning. Um, AJ, you'll be looking forward to your first East Anglian derby. I don't know if you've got experience of it before, back in the day when you were uh, kind of a, every now and then a visitor to Portman Road. But this one, mm -hmm. mate, this one is going to be something special. And once again, I remind you, friend, it's not always been like this. It's not been like you just swan in and they go second in the championship and hopefully beat Norwich for the first time in 14 years. You've come in at a bloody good time, old friend, or young friend. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I think this is, oh, East Anglian double, this might be my third one. Okay. I've been to, uh, I've had a couple before. I think it might have been a 1-1 draw and a 1-0 defeat. I've seen before. Um, 
I think this is also kind of a point of saying times have changed because I remember back then um, it was quite easy to get those tickets. And I feel like right now with the momentum around the club and with, let me look at the attendances now compared to mm. when town were last in the championship, people are fighting for the death if they're not season ticket holders to try and get tickets for this game. Um, are you sure it hasn't always been like this? I don't know. But, oh, it's definitely um... not, well, not, <laughs> not, not since the early noughties, mate. Very yeah, early so noughties, yeah. since I was like two or three, so yeah, yeah a, a few. Chip, right, sorry, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to rub that one. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, a, a bit has changed since then. I the build up to it's quite special as well. I mean, I'm working on a little bit where I'm kind of forcing some of the players that we're talking to every week. For those of you who actually like go through and watch the uh, press conferences on town TV, stuff like that, mm. you'll hear me asking a lot of players about the derby. And I think a lot of them are trying to say to me, we're not thinking about that yet. We're not going to do that. The reason why is actually, because I'm going to be putting something together about kind of, yeah, what everyone has said, building up to the derby that will be out at kind of latter stages next week in the build up. Mm. But um when you go through and read some of that, and there's a couple of really good bits, especially I think my favourite one so far is Caden Jackson's. There's so many really good lines. That's when you read through and you're like, oh, wow, you can see how much it means to the players as well and how much they understand the circumstances and the situations surrounding the game, what it means to the supporters, what it means to the club after so long. Um yeah, I think they're as ready for this as the fans are going to be in the, the in that morning. Can't wait, boys. Can't wait. Bring it on. It's just a pain in the ass. There's a midweek game next week. I want the whole week to be able to build up to it. Who put that there? Um, right, and friends, a couple more things before we get on to Borough. These are both boss-related, AJ, so I'm going to stick with you. Championship boss sacking season. Monday night, something in the air. Duff at Swansea, gone. More interestingly, Ipswich Town legend, Tony Mabray. Gone at Sunderland, only only three points outside the playoff spots, having led them to the playoffs last season. Your mm. thoughts? Um, yeah, I was on duty a little bit for this because I was covering the FA Cup game and I was thinking, oh, it's good. I can go to bed now. Done. <laughs> no, I could not because then Michael Duff popped up and then probably around 20 minutes after that, like just as I'd finished filing that piece on him being sacked at Swansea, then you get the slightly bigger news that comes to that as well. Uh, yeah, with Mowbray at Sunderland, I think, wow, let's start. There are three clubs without managers in the championship at the moment. Looks like uh, Liam Richardson's going to be coming in for Rotherham, which I think is a nice appointment there. Okay. Um, someone with championship experience, so that maybe rules out. I thought that Michael Duff would be one who would fit the, the Rotherham mould a little bit after leaving Swansea. He's been mm. in Yorkshire before. He's direct, physical sides, can kind of create the siege mentality, works quite well. Um Swansea over the summer essentially binned off their entire ideology. They just got rid of all of it. They like playing their nice tippy-tappy possession-based football. And they went, ah, you know what we want to do? We want to hoof it up to the big man and hope for the best, um, which is kind of the Michael Duff style. Then they realised probably about three games in that that was an absolutely terrible mistake. And the board, I think in their statement, have almost apologised to the fans for saying this was a ridiculous decision. We have no idea why we did it. Um, the Sunderland one's interesting because I think it had been spoken about a little bit for a while. I think some fans, when I was looking at the reaction to their draw at Millwall, some fans were kind of saying, it's time to go, it's time to move on. Um, then when it actually happens and you see other supporters and you also see the external reaction, it's just really strange. Three points off the person. You've got to bear in mind that he's working with a squad who have an average age of about 14 like the, the young players, yeah. they're younger than me, half the squad. Way. Um, way. They haven't had a, str a proper striker in there for ages. The strikers that they have signed, I think, like Mason Burstow and another Spanish lad who I think about 21, 20, maybe even younger than that. You're relying on Joe Bellingham for goals. He's never really scored that much. And even then, he's probably also about 17 or something like that. They're all in that kind of age group. Um I think Mowbray kind of is a victim of his own success because he took this team to the playoffs last season. And they're now looking at the top six thinking there's probably only going to be one spot up for grabs. And I'm mm. not sure that we're going to get there. Um, and that's what caused the change. And I think that Sunderland now we're going to go down the route of hiring a, uh, you know, an unknown, probably someone who kind of comes in with that coaching background, a lot of technical attacking style, different to the kind of, old guard Tony Mowbray style. So we'll have to wait and see. Kieran McKenna style. Mm -hmm. Perhaps there. That's the um, 
And the other things before we move on to, to other things, AJ, I'm going to stick with you because it involves, it's the perfect mesh of Cambridge United, your boyhood club, and also Ipswich Town because obviously we know that Town have got an online striker there and Gassan had me. And big Gassan has got a new manager at the U's. Talk us through yes. this one. Yes, Mark Bonner out at Cambridge United, which was quite a painful one because Mark was the first manager I worked with and he was someone who I always found really supportive, great in the community. Um, I think a lot of people thought it was the right time for change because last season was horrible from, from every perspective. It was really hard. Um, and I think the season was heading the same kind of way. So they've decided the best way is to to move Bonner on go for experience, go for someone who knows how to, again, I use the term siege mentality, get a group together, organise defence, and the best way to do that is Neil Harris, ex-Millwall Cardiff Gillingham, took Millwall up to eighth. I think he basically is worshipped as a god at Millwall. Um, a couple of tough stints at, well, yeah, a tough one at Cardiff, and then with Gillingham, he was sacked again, Tony Mowbray style, similar kind of thing. They were sacked when they were eighth. They were four points off top at the time. Um, and the board basically just said, we want a young manager who's going to play attacking football. Cambridge don't care about that. They just want to win games and stay in League One. That's the only thing that matters. And I think that this appointment, also from an Ipswich perspective and from Gassan's perspective, um, works perfectly because if you put the ball on his head, more often than not, he will head it into the back of the net. And I know that uh, definitely with Neil Harris, it's direct style. It is going to be getting the ball onto Gassan Hadme's head. And hopefully that can then result in him getting a few more goals because so far, every time I've watched them play, they're trying to play the ball to his feet and make him run and he just looks like a deer in the headlights. So mm. fingers crossed it'll reinvigorate him a little bit. Right. Okay, let's move on then. Before we get on to Borough, boys, I want to ask you a couple of questions, which I've not told you what the questions are. But I thought for a bit of fun, would you use the old pen and paper, make it a bit visual. Ross, are you ready for this? You're still with us? Excellent. Right then, friends, the first question is a question I've wanted to ask for a little while because every so often you hear managers say about Ipswich Town, well, they haven't really got any star players. They're kind of a, a team that are greater than the sum of their parts. So I wonder, friends, if I was to ask you and ask myself, if you had to rank the top three players at Ipswich Town, who would they be and why? So I'm going to invite you to, to write them down, starting with the third and moving up to the, the top player. So on individual bits of paper or, in Ross's case, an envelope, which I love. <laughs> hey, classic Ross. Um, if we start with the third, the third, the third best player at Ipswich Town, who, who would that be, do you reckon? You can hear me clicking my pen as I write this down. Doing arts and crafts. I'm just going to rip yes. my envelope in free, basically. <laughs> so the arts and crafts for me. So I'm gonna... Lovely stuff. AJ, have you got your third best player at Ipswich Town? I have. This has been a real dilemma, this, but I think I've got it. Well, this is why I didn't want you to know about it beforehand. I want it to be organic. Ross is still thinking. He really is thinking. <laughs> I feel like there's one, an obvious three that yeah. we'll probably end up picking in the same order. I've just, I had a left field idea in my head that I think is probably going to, I'm yeah, just going to push out of the way. Okay. Let's see. This is interesting because, as I say, I think there, there may be a consensus top three, but I don't know if there'll be a consensus order that they're in. So uh, on the count of three, boys, if you want to reveal your third best Ipswich Town player, three, two, one. Okay. Broadhead. I've gone, I've gone Nathan Broadhead and the boys have gone Chaplin. I love the way that Ross has literally just ripped off the bottom of an envelope to write Chaplin okay. on. Okay, um, I suppose it's, this is one of these things where you have to reveal the, the three before you show you're working. So let's do two now. Ross is, Ross is properly thrown oh, off. Bollocks. <laughs> I, I, I'm so, I don't know, I don't know how I forgot I'm Rawdhead. I don't know why. I've like, I thought of I'm a little bit concerned that I'm missing someone really obvious and this is going to be, this is going to backfire, but we'll have to. So Ross has, Ross has been thrown. A curveball here. His, his, what he thought was his top three. It sounds like he now needs a top four. We can't have one, Rossi. We're going to go. We're going to go second now. <laughs> I can see maybe where I might have fallen into a trap of forgetting someone. 
Yeah. Okay. Oh, this is well, this is why I wanted it to be an organic. Yeah, thing. I know. I and we know. can talk um, about. The thing else. is, now now we're all going to get loads of abuse. I'm going to have more. It's going to be like the player race. I'm going to have people now messaging me. Why have you forgotten him? Where's he? Because I couldn't think. It's, friends, it's, it's a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun. Not... Let's not take it too seriously. Right. And have you got number two? Three, two, one. Ah, okay. So we've, we've got different names. So I've got Leaf Davis. AJ's gone Broadhead, and Roscoe has gone Morsey. Okay, now number one, I'd imagine both of you guys are going to say the same player now. And I reckon it might just be the player that I've put up. So there we go. Top dog then. Who's the best player at Ipswich Town? Have you got him, Rossi? You can't write three players down, Ross. <laughs> Ready? Three, two, one. I love that, Ross. It's like a, oh my God, it's like something you'd put on a Christmas tree from a child. So I've gone Morsey, you've gone Davis, and I think AJ, you had Leaf Davis, yeah? Right yeah. then. Talk me through it then, AJ. You, so you've got Davis. Have you got Davis? Davis, one, Broadhead, two, Chaplin, three. Okay. Um, I think the top two in this case are fairly set. I think Leaf Davis is the best player in this squad by a million miles just because he offers everything. He's so consistent. He can have an off game and he's still getting assists. Um, was it nine? Yeah, nine, nine I think for the yeah. Ridiculous. Season. Ridiculous yeah. numbers. Um, everyone, I've seen people talk about his defensive side. I think defensively he's fine. He has about, I mean, we talk about him having three lungs. I think he has more than that because he just runs and runs. Um, and he just comes, I mean, I remember speaking to him after getting an assist one game. It's the only time I've actually spoken to him, I think. And he was just like, yeah, it's a good game. Well, it's fine. Well, you know, I could have been better. I was thinking, you've just put in an unbelievable shift. It just feels so easy for him. Um, he's a Premier League quality player. Nathan Broadhead's a Premier League quality player. And if it wasn't for injuries, he'd be there. Um, the third one was probably the tough one, and I had a few in my head. I actually forgot Sam Morsey, um, which happens a lot in my player ratings as well. <laughs> Who did you forget? You forgot Nathan Broadhead, Ross. Don't you? Yeah, start. but Sam Morsey, he's a club captain. <laughs> I also kind of took the view as well. If you think about maybe the MVP in terms of literally most valuable player, who would be the one that has maybe like the most in him? You think about if if they were to be. I don't want to say to be sold, but if you look at the actual value, these are two mm. players probably in the team who have the highest value because you've got someone who is a Premier League quality attacker and a left back who can do absolutely everything. Chapman's probably up there for me. And when you actually look at the quality in the team as well, this might this is maybe my left field controversial pick. Players that haven't quite got up to speed, but clearly are incredibly talented. Axel Twanzeme came to mind a little bit as well. You're thinking the actual kind of characteristics he possesses. And the core qualities are so, so good. And once he gets up to full speed, I think he could definitely be someone on that top three list. But yeah, that's what I went with. Yes, I didn't go Sam Morsey. I could have gone Sam Morsey for three. Um, interchangeable. And then top two, I'd definitely stick with that. Okay, Rossi, do you want to talk us through yours? So you had Davis one. Broadhead, was it Broad? No, you forgot about Broadhead. Who was two? M Morsey, I didn't forget about Morsey. Morsey. Yeah, yeah. And then and Chaplin, Chaplin three. three. Yeah. So do you want to talk us through your thinking there? Yeah, do you know what? I've I've now rethinked this question and I've basically just done my three favourite players in the squad. <laughs> I know Fair they enough. are important. They are important. Yeah. Um, so Broadhead just misses out because I do like Broadhead as well. But um, Chaplin, he's just, he, he's basically it's his town, isn't he, right now? He's just, it's because yeah. he's, you know, trustee and all that. You know, Chappers, you know, scores goals. Just, he's just everywhere, here, there and everywhere. Find space, Scores his trademark goals. So that's why he's free. Sam Morsey is captain. He's here, there and everywhere as well. Tackles. I think when we missed, he didn't play Huddersfield, did he? Because he was suspended, was he? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we were dreadful that day. And that was one of the reasons why, because we didn't have Sam Morsey in the team. I know we've lost against West Brom since then. But um, he's just someone I just feel, if we don't have him in the team, we're just not the same in that mid middle of the park. So, um and it's just Sam Morsey at the end of the day. Um, and the number one, obviously, Leif Davis. He's a Premier League player already. Assist king and all that jazz. Um, so, yeah, they're just three players I really like watching as well. So, that's another rethink as well. Yeah. Broadhead just misses out. And George Hurst misses out as well. That's, that's five now. 
<laughs> but yeah, just name the whole starting eleven, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think most people, I think consensus-wise, you you would say that Leif Davis is probably the best player, wouldn't you, in terms of ability and, and that kind of thing, and and potentially, clearly a Premier League player, and potentially even a, an international player. You would say one day. Um, but the reason I went for Morsey as my best player at Ipswich Town is because I think he means so much to the the club, the side. We've seen, as you say, Rossi, without him in the side, what what happens. And I think as much as as Davis and Broadhead are brilliant individual players, and you would say probably technically better, uh, and potentially will play at, you know a higher level maybe. Um, I think Sam Morsey means so much to this Ipswich Town side. Everything he brings. Um, you always hear there was a, a chat with Chaplin which we put out earlier this week, talking about the culture of the club and people coming to the club and then kind of following in the manager's footsteps. But I bet you also they follow in Sam Morsey's footsteps and that is enforced by the skipper, Sam Morsey. So that's the reason I've got him as my best player at Ipswich Town. And then we've got obviously Davis and Broadhead. Chaplin, I think, is unlucky probably to miss out. Um, but yeah, that, that's the thinking there. And my other question, boys... Um, Again, it's a bit more left field. We're entering, or were you we need in? more paper? Sorry. Yeah, we need one bit more paper, mate. I did say you're going to have to write four players down. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just can you just reverse the other one? Yeah. My, my, my final question to you, friends, before we get on to Borough, just out of left field, is we're entering, or we are in this very tough December run. Who do you reckon that we're not really talking about at the moment is going to end up being a really important player over this stretch? I'm not saying he's going to end up being you know, the best player, but someone maybe we're not thinking about at the moment who might have a big role to play over these next few games as we as we approach the Christmas crunch. We need like the countdown like clock, don't we? Plan well, we, should have, we should have a little type, yeah. All right, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we should have planned better. But yeah, just think of the countdown clock, you know, 30 seconds. Yeah, he had it better than me. I don't know what I was doing. I'd love to see you on countdown, Ross. You'd be oh, a legendary yeah. on countdown. Yeah. Have we got one? Have we got one, Rossi? AJ's got one. Oh, bollocks. This is really tough. This is really Yeah, yeah, hard. it's just, it's just, I mean, it's just, just for fun, boys. I just thought, I just wanted to ask these couple of questions just because we've got a bit more time on this week's show. I think people will, uh, have their own answers to these. Do let us know, by the way, who your top three players at Ipswich Town are, and also who you reckon might be a bit of an unsung hero of the Christmas period. Ross, are you going to write anything down? Yeah, sorry, sorry. I'm just trying to think of the players. I'm trying not to forget about anybody. I can't spell his name. and He's got an easy name. He's got a very British name. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with him. <laughs> All right, three, two, one. Who have we got? Oh, okay. So you've got Jack Taylor, Rossi. You've got Axel Turnzebi, which is great fun to say, AJ. You've already mentioned him. And I have got Christian Walton, friends. Ooh. Right then, Rossi, you had longest to think about it. Jack Taylor, why? It's just a position I feel will we'll rotate. You know, of course, Massimo is suspended for Borough. Um, and it's just a, a role that you're just, you're running a lot. Um and I think Taylor, even though he scored that great goal against Swansea and he has been in and out of the squad, has had a few, you know, good performances, a few maybe, I would say, under-par performances, but the game, which game was it? When he came on, he didn't do too well. I feel bad now. just sort of throwing Jack Taylor under the bus here, but there was one game I just thought he, he struggled a bit. Yeah. I'm trying to think which one it was now. But yeah, anyway, um, I think it's just a role that, yeah, you know, he's just going to... And he can also play 10 as well, so... Mm. Um, so yeah, I just think he's going to be a key player, and obviously, you know, we spent a bit of money on him, so we've got to, we've got to play him as well, you know, in the long run as well. Yeah, well, you know, he's likely to play at the weekend, don't we? And also, I suppose if you extend this beyond December and into that January period, where potentially Luongo is not going to be around, he'll have even more value. Um, AJ, you got... <laughs> well, to be fair, I did only say Christmas. Uh, AJ, you've gone two in Zebi, mm-hmm. um, and again, this is something we're probably going to be talking about in, in the Borough preview. Uh, we know he's got pedigree; he's looked. He's looked pretty tasty, I've got to say, so far. Um, so is that is that your reason for, for thinking him? Yeah, Taylor came close, as did Wes Burns. I think that he's going to hit a bit of form now. Um, my thought with Twanzebe is that Premier League level opposition require Premier League level players. And if Town have a Premier League level player in their squad, 
Hmm. in terms of what he's brought in terms of his experience, in terms of the characteristics that he's already shown at a higher level it's Axel Twanzebe, as someone who's been there, done it, not just on Premier League level, but God, at Champions League level, someone who has the pace, who really looks composed on the ball uh, when you're dealing with teams like Leeds, who have real pace and threat on the counter top quality players he's the man you probably want in that area and it'll probably be the same looking at that Leicester game with their forwards there as well those are the big ones to look at in the Christmas period you can potentially say the same um, about some of the players that Norwich have some of the players that Watford have he won't play all those games but if they can build his fitness up then I think we're that's absolutely in a position where he can be a vital vital player in this team and I just think in a back line that has at times been a little bit leaky He's mm. the player that you, you want to have in there to shore things up because he's going to have the experience of having done it at a higher level. Mm. Now then, the reason I've gone Walton, friends, it's a little bit, little mischievous, really. Um, I'm speculating purely here on the amount of games we've got to come. And also, as you just said, AJ, they do have a tendency to keep leaking goals. Now, I'm not pointing the finger at Baz here, but I just wonder if we're going to see Walton at some point in the not-too-distant future. Um, it would maybe be harsh on, on Baz, but you've got a guy who was the best keeper in League One last season, would be number one were it not for a pre-season injury. I just wonder how long it will be before we do get to see him. Um, I guess, obviously, you've got the FA Cup coming up. But I just I just wonder, friends, I just wonder if and when we might see Walter. And if he does get back in, whether he's going to bring the sort of form he had last season. So that's my reason. A very left field pick um, out of the uh, out of the blue for someone who may have a part to play or may not even play at all, friends. And that's the fun of the game. Right then, we know definitely they're going to be playing at Middlesbrough this weekend, boys. So shall we talk about that now? Let's start, first of all, AJ, you had the presses yesterday. So let's hear from Kieran when you're asking about Middlesbrough. A really strong team. Um, I think, of course, the, the forum second half of last season was was fantastic. I think you, you see it in the, in the Championship, not just Middlesbrough, but with other teams, you know, they... They lost a really, really good player who was, you know, in Chubat Palmer's maybe the most dominant player in the league second half of the season. And um, you also have three or four loanies who were big, big players for them um, in the second half of last season. And um, when you miss out on the playoffs, then, you know, they, you have to rebuild a, a large chunk of your team and replace what, you know, were very big players for them. And... Um, I think they've they've tried to do that, but that process takes time, and you could probably see that in them in the the start of the season, where they were betting in maybe three, four, five, maybe more start new starters into a side from a team that was really really settled in the second half of last season. So I think that's you know pretty pretty natural that there'll be a bit of a drop off. Um, but it's a really long season. There's forty six games, and um, you know they've certainly picked up good form over the last couple of months, and are you know at their best, certainly one of the strongest teams in this division and have a very good home record as well. So we're not under any any illusions of the, the scale of the challenge ahead of us and we know we're going to have to be our, our very, very best to get anything from the game. Right then, AJ, you want to kick us off then in Borough. So you've got a side that reached the playoffs last season, then lost their, their basically their star striker, um, had a terrible start to the season and uh, have since started to pick up and become a little bit resurgent. Uh, they lost against Leeds in a 3-2 in a, in a defeat last weekend uh, there's an obvious storyline clearly going into this game which i'm sure is probably mm -hmm. where you're going to start kick us off yeah i can definitely start with that it's yeah. the uh kieran mckenna michael carrick link uh we spoke a little bit to kieran mckenna about this yesterday in the press conference i think initially he was a little bit trying to say well it's that was played on the pitch and then i think he, he clocked what the significance was because it's two men who had very brief time playing together at Tottenham in the very early days, albeit that McKenna was in the reserves. It was just when Carrick was in the reserves there as well. Um, and then from there, they got reunited at Manchester United when uh, it was at McKenna's time as kind of the head of youth development there. Carrick came in at a bit of rehab time. And then they were obviously both promoted to be coaches first under Jose Mourinho and then under Solskjaer. Uh, before moving on, taking their, their separate paths, both ending up at championship clubs. So it's kind of come full circle in the way, which I think is really nice. Um, from Middlesbrough's perspective, I think that the biggest storyline that they've had is similar to Coventry in the fact that they've had, I'd say, probably more than just the one who's left because Chubrakpom obviously was the top goal scorer, had a very remarkably bizarre season almost where he played as this kind of... Uh, 
very attacking number 10 behind the striker and he bagged something like 27 goals and earned himself a move to Ajax mm. quite late on in the summer, which I think didn't help Middlesbrough with when it came. As well as that, you look at the ones they've lost on loan. The one that stands out to me is Cameron Archer, who's since gone and moved to the Premier League. He was firing goals left, right and centre. Ryan Giles went to uh, Luton, I believe. So you've had a lot of kind of Premier League quality players that have left the building and trying to replace those is is pretty difficult. You look at what they've got up front. I know that one of them they've brought in is um, Josh Coburn. He was playing League One football for Bristol Rovers last season. He did really well, but that's the kind of transition that I think they're having. And I think you look at the recruitment, there's good bits in there in terms of I like Morgan Rogers coming in from Man City, having done it at a lower level, Seni Dien coming in from QPR. But then outside of that, it also feels like they've taken a very international approach with their recruitment. Lucas Engel from Silkeborg and Emmanuel Latte Lath, definitely the latter, kind of finding a bit of form, but it's taken a while coming from Atalanta him. Um, these are players that will take time to settle in, and this is where I think you can start to see things pay off a little bit. The only issue is with that kind of process is that it then sets you back if you're letting players bed in and mm. you're going to take that time. You're kind of saying, well, we're going to have a sticky patch at the start. They actually had it last season under Chris Wilder when he got sacked and they then went to, to bring in Michael Carrick. So that's definitely what I think's happened. It's kind of been a similar story and they're going to be relying on a really strong second half like they had last season to get in, but they've got the quality to do it. Yeah, um, obviously Carrick is one storyline, Rossi going into this game and McKenna and his relationship. The other one is that players missing. We know there's going to be a couple for town and it sounds like there's going to be a lot for Middlesbrough. You spoke to um, a counterpart at Middlesbrough yesterday, didn't you, for your Meet the Oppo video, which is available now to subscribers um, online. Uh, do you want to give us a little insight as to, as to what he told you yesterday? Yeah, you saying that Michael Carrick is very, he doesn't really like to go too deep into who's out, who's missing and stuff. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, anything with any manager you don't want to share to your opposition that oh uh, yeah, this player's out, that player's out. But um but yeah, they've got as it stands, potentially ten players out, um, few for suspension or injury. So mm. that's that's big. And obviously they've a relook team from last year, you know, I think they signed twelve summer signings. Of course Chubakpom is the big the big name, of course, a few low knees going back, but um, they've still got a decent team. You know, they've got a few players. You know, Matt Crooks. You know, once upon a time, I know Town were interested in him, and he's uh, someone Matt I like Crooks, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's um, someone I think you know will be will be up for this game. Um, but they've got um, Sam Greenwood returning. He didn't play against Leeds because, of course, that's his parent club. He's on loan at Borough, so he'll be he'll be back into the team. And there's um, a town connection, obviously, with Matt Clark, who um, came on for Paddy McNair in the, the first half um, in that game. And he hasn't played that many games for them because he's been injured for last year. I think that was his first, like, an hour or something. I know he's he made a few cameo appearances and he's played for the under-21s, but that was for him to get chucked in <laughs> against Leeds. Unfortunately, yeah. he did concede a penalty, uh, which is probably not what he wants to look back on. But... Um, yeah, Ishwish Boy, I'm sure, will be will be up for this and hopefully starting. But that's a it's a big game for him if he does start because you're playing against Ishwish Town. But um, we shall see. That's interesting. Matt Clark, uh, by the sound of it, is going to start. And that'll be his first start since October last year. Um, Matt Clark, a guy who came through the academy, didn't he, at Town? I think made a few sub appearances off the bench. And then ended up, I think he went to Pompey, didn't he? And he ended up going to Brighton for like three and a half million, but never yeah. played for them. Yeah, um, he was so, part of the. Um, sorry to interrupt. He was part of the Adam Webster deal that um, when right. Adam Webster yeah. signed for us, Matt Clark went the other way because he was already there on loan, and um, yeah, went for a, a few million to Brighton. That yeah, never played, and then I remember him just rocking up at, at Borough. And uh, since he, you know, he's been to Borough, he just shaved his head. He's basically got a beard and a, he's just bald now. So it's just. Um, I don't know. That was his decision. Maybe he's losing his hair, and he just thought, you know what? Well, I'm, I'm just going to shave it all off. Do a do a Stu Watson, I think. Um, but yeah, it was just when I saw a picture of him recently, I was like, wow, that's <laughs> he, he looked very different to when he was at town. I'd like to see you with a shaved head, Ross. Just as an aside. Um, okay, so we know that Borough are likely going to be missing quite a lot of players, and, and there is a potential town um, rare start for a former town man. We know also, of course, that town are going to be missing players. And you spoke to Kieran McKenna about this yesterday, AJ. Let's hear from him. You touched on the two suspensions there as well, two players and Williams and Matt who probably had quite a bit of 
progression to the team and quite a, a sense of well, being able to dictate the game. But it feel like hard players to kind of replace in your team, but it is an opportunity for, for players to step in, I suppose. Yeah, exactly that. Um, yeah, we have a squad for for that reason, and um, of course to get you know the yellows on the last day before the 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 last game before the break is a bit frustrating, especially maybe more so a Massimo's situation on a personal level because I know he would have loved to have played in this game against his former employers. Um, but that's just the way it goes, you know. The, the big games are coming thick and fast. Our full focus is on this for the, those who are available. But on the other hand, we play Watford away three days later, equally a very difficult game. So, um, you know, it gives us a, a chance and a cause, really, to, to utilise the squad. And um, if we manage to stay injury-free, then it'll give us, you know, hopefully two fresh players for Tuesday night. OK, let's talk team then, AJ. So, Luan goes out. Taylor in, Williams out, Clark plays, you'd imagine. What about the rest of the side, though? I'm particularly interested in a man you've already brought up, Axel Tuenzebi. We know that he's been in and out recently. Wolfenden has been the player to sit out. What do you, what do you think might happen there? What would you What would you do? Yeah, I think that the biggest dilemma with this comes with the Tuesday night game, and I think mm. that's maybe what McKenna's going to look to in general because there are going to be some players where he's going to say, we're going to play this one. You're going to be rested for Watford and will reassess going into Norwich. I think Twanzebe is probably in that category. I think that he's one who this game, I feel, suits him because Burrow's attacking numbers um, when you look at the stats behind it. Sorry, but when you look at the, the kind of the figures that they're putting up are really, really strong and much stronger than actually what they're putting into the net. So I think that they are a strong attacking side that maybe aren't necessarily having the luck of the green or have had a few injuries that we've talked about there. Um especially at home, the cliche, hard place to go. And I think that he would really suit coming into this uh, team for this game. Um, so that's probably the route I'd go in with that. I think that you also need to have a bit of aggression. I'm not necessarily sure he would bring that. I kind of, as I said to McKenna there, I said you're going to be missing quite a bit because you're going to lose Williams and um, mm. Luongo, which I think is the, the biggest issue in those two being out for me i think when i said that especially with brandon williams he had a little laugh there just kind of recalling the fact that williams got a yellow card for just smashing through someone um in the 88th minute totally unnecessary against coventry which you can maybe look back on and laugh a bit more now um it's just about finding the right balance to go into the two games um without jeopardizing anything are you going to look at risking other players playing three games in a week three really difficult games to difficult away ones and the biggest home game of the season that's that's the mm. hardest balance to find here if these were you know maybe involved less travel and if they were sides that you'd say oh, maybe they're a little bit easier than fair enough but these are two difficult games before the Norwich game it's you couldn't really have asked for that much harder yeah absolutely and Sam Morsey's got a little bit of a tightrope to negotiate again hasn't he um has he got He's, what, how many uh, how many bookings is he away? Just he's on eight. So um, uh, yeah, I asked McKenna about the sister as well. He's he's yeah, he's on eight. He needs two more to get a two match ban. Mm. Uh, the cutoff point for that, I believe, is thirty seven games, which will oh, wow. basically take you through to the run. And um, I'm going to be honest in saying he's not going to reach that. I might be wrong. I might yeah. be wrong because he's very. We've seen it before. He's, he's very this, good. And yeah. I said this. I said this. I posed this again to McKenna yesterday. I said, "What? what what's your position on it? Do you want him to be the kind of player now where he's really cautious of it, and he knows if he gets the two yellow cards that he's going to get a too much ban, and that it could come at a horrible time, all those kind of things, or or do you want them to, as he's kind of said before, just go out there and play their normal games, uh, which was probably part of what." led to the two yellows um, in, in the commentary game. Um, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest, because players, as, as McKenna said, are going to be aware of the fact that they're walking this tightrope. That's always mm. going to be a factor. But if you take the aggression out of Sam Morsey's game, Massimo Luongo's game, Brandon Williams's game, if you take out tactical fouls, if you take out all these kind of things, what are you left with? A, a kind of a shell of what makes them these really good players. It's one of the key core characteristics of what they are um take that away and you're not left with the same player so from my perspective you, you always need to say at the end of the day these bookings are going to come these suspensions are going to come we have a squad for a reason and yeah just go out there and, and play like you have been all season yeah 
just don't get suspended for the Norwich game, Sam. Please, we need you. We need you for that game. Yeah, two yellow. So if he gets a yellow card at Borough and he gets one at Watford, then, then he'd be out. Oh crap! It would be a disaster. So yeah. just make sure if he gets a yellow. Um, controversial take potentially if he gets a yellow against Middlesbrough he is nowhere near my starting lineup for Watford do, do not even that is a controversial I probably take. wouldn't even put him in the squad I would wow. much rather have him out entirely than risk him picking up two yellows and missing that he's Norwich got game. he's got he's got to be he's got to play for Norwich that is the game yeah. that we need Sam Morsey for more than any mm-hmm. uh Rossi let's come and come to predictions then I don't know what the standing is at the moment uh, who's top oh, of the no. table let me have a little sh- so no, AJ knows he's still... of course he does yeah is he still top? Have I updated the? I think I've updated it. Bollocks. Let me just quickly. Sorry, let me do my working quickly. Um, I'm, this is going to be really awkward if I'm not. But I think you are. You are still top. I'm just. I'm just. It's, it's, a, it's a slender margin. Thank if I changed it from the last game. So no, I was close to getting the ultimate maximum, but then bloody commentary. Bloody You've told the story, haven't you, already about yeah, you waiting to send dreaming. this message into our chat? Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, I've got updated now. So Alex is on 29. I'm yeah. on 25. Yeah. Ethan, you're on 17. And Stu, he's on 15. So oh, he's, he's catching. catching. He's catching. catching I really feel like I've lost my my feel for this. Uh, at one point, I was getting the, the first score every game, and I felt like I was on the edge of getting the, the perfect score. But since then, it's all gone to pot. So I'm, I'm all over the shop now. Um, so AJ, as the leader at the moment, you have to go first um, for your prediction. What are you saying? Yeah. I feel like this is starting to turn into a league of two leagues, where it's me and Ross. All right, and, uh, yeah, easy yeah. fella. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, no one likes to show off. Yeah, <laughs> sure, you would be if you were top. Um, right, my prediction. I'm going to go with yeah. You know what? Confidence has paid off for me before. Optimism has paid off for me before. Two one Ipswich. Uh, this is a Nathan Broadhead game. Broadhead two one town. Go on then, Rossi, what are you saying? We haven't mentioned, we had mentioned Sam Morsey. Of course, Sam Morsey will be playing against his former team this mm. weekend. Obviously, we signed him from Borough. Um, I don't think he actually ever played in front of fans at Borough, though, because, of course, that was during the COVID season. He was only there for, I think, one year. Um, so I'm thinking, do I put him as first goal scorer? Because why not? But no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I want to go for a draw, which, yeah, go for a draw. This could be big. Yeah. What are you saying? I want to go Desmond. I want goals, please. So Desmond, 2-2. First goal scorer. Let's give it to good old Leaf Davis. Why not? Let's oh. see him scoring a goal. He gets the assist. Why, why not Why not score Leaf? So 2-2, uh, Davis to score first. If you get 2-2 two, two and Leaf Davis, you deserve more than five points. Um, right, OK. Uh, I think it's going to be a draw as well. I'm going to say 1-1 one, one in a grim a grim game up north, which features a few moments of quality. And I think one of the moments of quality is going to come from Connor Chaplin. So I'm saying 1-1 one, one Connor Chaplin. So we've got, we have 2-1 Nathan Broadhead from AJ, the leader. 2-2 two, two, Leif Davis from Ross with your big shout. And I'm going 1-1 one, one Connor Chaplin. We'll find out from Watson what he's predicting is he bids to climb the table even further. Uh, and we'll share that before kickoff. Uh, before we go this week, friends, just a couple of things to tease to next week, because you may obviously be aware there's quite a big game at the end of next week. And uh, thus we're stepping our game right up. Next week, we'll bring you a podcast every single day, even including around that pesky midweek trip to Watford, which I really wish wasn't there. So there'll be a pod every day next week. And a couple of them I really want to tease to. First of all, the live pod. On Thursday night at 7.30, we're going to do a live pod across our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, and our Twitter. Does anyone really call it X? It's still Twitter, isn't it? No one calls it X. Um, so we'll be broadcasting live and free at, from 7.30 p.m. Um, it's fully interactive as well. You can ask us questions, get involved. So hopefully many of you will do that. We felt like this is the right time to do a, do a live show ahead of a game of this magnitude. AJ, you've got a note from your mum to say you can't attend, so you won't be there. But... Um, the three kings, fittingly for Christmas, will be there. Me, uh, Rossi and Stuart will all be there. And hopefully we'll have a couple of little guests as well, which we're still working on, friends. Um, and the other one I want to tease to, Rossi, is very exciting. It's going to drop on Tuesday morning, 6am. Um, and it's something you've been chasing for a long time. It's a guy that has been reluctant to speak to us, given our history. 
with uh, with him and the newspaper, not us, but the newspaper in the past. Tell us all about it, Rossi. Yeah, I've teased it on Twitter um, about being a, a big interview coming up and one of the biggest ones yet I've, I've probably done in my, my career as a probably as a, you know, working for the paper. Um, and yeah, it is Jim Magilton, town legend, former captain, former manager, uh, hat-trick hero, uh, the magic, Jim Magilton, obviously um, got sacked after beating Norwich, the last manager to beat Norwich back in 2009. And I thought it was a perfect way to sort of catch up with him. Um, we've been chatting for last year. Of course, he returned to Portland Road back in, I think, April for the reunion dinner, uh, where he was inducted to the Hall of Fame. And that was the first time he stepped foot at Portland Road since the Norwich game. So 14 years, um, you know, since his last, uh, you know, in Itchwich. Um, mm. And it was just great chatting, catching up with him, chatting about his career as a whole, what he's up to now. Talked about Kieran McKenna, of course, you know, that link there because they're both Northern, Northern Irish. Obviously, you know, I'm not saying every Northern Irish pe- people know each other, but because they've coached <laughs> again. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a great chat. Um, and yeah, I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. Um, obviously, he's done interviews in the past about his town career, but um, it's just nice for me to, you know, just chat to him and catch up. And yeah, enjoy it, ladies and gentlemen. The perfect week to bring it to you ahead of the derby, as you say, the last boss to beat Norwich. And I'm assuming that you spoke to him about the derby as well in there, Rossi. So there's all that good content building up to derby. So that will drop at 6am in audio form on Tuesday. There will be the video coming as well, which obviously will be a subscriber-only thing. And just to mention on that subscriber front, clearly we're going to be bringing loads of other content around the derby. So now is the time, if you've not already signed up to the ADT digital subscriptions, now is the perfect time. £3 for three months. Um, covers obviously the whole of December and takes you into into January and February as well. Uh, you also, aside from all this content you get, you'll get, obviously get the Magilton interview if you subscribe in time. Um, you'll also get a chance to get involved in some exclusive subscriber-only competitions. At the moment, we're giving away a pair of £100 worth of vouchers. I've got them here under my desk um, to the Ipswich Town Club shop, which is very nice. And we've got other big exclusive competitions coming in the new year, which you want to be getting involved in right then friends uh, i said i didn't want to do an hour on this pod it wanted to be a short little podlet and of course we are now approaching the hour once we get going boys we can't stop can we uh, any other business friends before we take our leave anything else you want to mention aj or rossi uh, I'm going to be like Brandon Williams if it uh, is it's forecast to rain. So this is what I'm going to look like <laughs> when, uh, when I turn up. And maybe on game day, this is what I'm going to be doing as part of my outro. Like this, I'm, I'm wet. So I've got some waterproof, Sifi. I'm not using yours now. Obviously, I'm not going. Oh, you bought some? I've got some. Yeah. So excellent. Yeah, I'm prepared somewhat. So uh, yeah, bring it on. Outstanding, AJ. Anything else to mention from you? Should there be like? I'm just saying this because I'm top. But in the in the predictions, it should be like a forfeit. Whoever finishes last has to wear like the town Christmas jumper for the first game of next season. Here we like are. Look, you can't you can't now say that because you're top and you're feeling <laughs> cock a hoop. Well, I mean, I could top them and have to wear the Christmas jumper. And I would wear it with pride. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. A potential forfeit depends how I'm doing. Truth be told. <laughs> <laughs> right, then, friends. Um, there's your Friday rare Friday pod in the books. Just to remind to support our sponsor. Use the code KOA at Manscaped.com for twenty percent off and free delivery and all that excellent stuff uh, ahead of Christmas, including that new um, lawnmower 5.0, their new upgraded, improved uh, intimate shaver. Ross wants to say something. Sorry, I just want to just. Uh... Of course, shout out to the Trapper Girls. They're playing mm. um, in the FA Cup this weekend against Lewis at the AJ Arena in Felixstowe. Um, so if you can't get to Borough and if you want your football fix, go and support the girls there. 1pm uh, kickoff um, and they're playing a championship side. So uh, a good battle against them. So I just wanted to quickly mention that. Who are they playing? Uh, Lewis. 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 Okay, yeah. cool. Excellent. Well, there you go. There's a there's a home Ipswich Town game for you to enjoy on Sunday if you can't... Uh, Head to Middlesbrough, or even if you can, maybe get back and go to that as well. Why not? A weekend of Ipswich Town festive fun. Friends, the other reminder is just to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you can, just helps lift our visibility right uh, in the charts and help more people find us, which obviously is what we want as we head into this big festive season. Right then, friends, all roads lead to Middlesbrough. Whatever you're doing, if you're going to the game, enjoy it. If you're not, follow it all with us. Have a great weekend, and we'll be back next week, every single bloody day in the build-up to Derby Day, friends. D-Day is on the way. I can't bloody wait. We'll speak to you next time.